sang this song to me There was a message in his melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of words Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song Everything gonna be Everything is gonna be Greetings and welcome to a Sip of Inspiration podcast. For those of you who are joining me, a faithful listeners, you will see that this is a brand new platform and I think I'm liking it already. So I want to invite you to go to champagneconnection.com so that you can see not only this episode, but other episodes also that we've done in the past. Also buy some merchandise while you're there. As a matter of fact, I always say that I'm going to wear something and I promise you one day when you click on this show, I will have on some of that merchandise. Joining me today is one of my favorite guests. It, he's Dr. Joe Martin. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's a certified man builder. And he does great things with helping men become the best they can be so that they can make sure that their, fam their families are healthy and whole and functioning the way we need to function. So I want to join you today. I want I want to thank you today for joining me, Dr. Joe Martin. Uh, I'm so excited, I don't know what to do. Those of you who weren't here before, he has a surprise that we're going to introduce. So he's been a little busy writing and everything. So I'm gonna give you just a little bit more background and then I'm gonna turn it over to him so he can tell us a lot more about what he's been doing. He is an award-winning speaker author and certified man builders, I said, who helps Christian men win at what matters and frustrates them the most as husbands, fathers, and leaders. I think that is fantastic. He's authored nine books, including Are You the Man? 2001 Lessons I Wish My Dad Would Have Taught Me and The Real Man Spiritual Leader Blueprint. He also has a brand new book, Man Accomplished, that we're going to talk about also. Uh, he has, he's heard it uh, four countries. He's a columnist of the All Pro Dad. He does everything when it comes to families to help men make sure that the families are as tight and connected as they need to be. So thank you for joining me again. Dr. Cohen, it is my pleasure to be back on your show. Um, you're one of my favorite get, my favorite hosts to have to talk to. So I know we had a blast the last time I was on the show. So I can't wait um, to kick it with you. And I got, I got to tell, give a spoiler alert to the um, listeners out there. She has not prepped me and told me what we're going to be talking about. So I have no idea what Dr. Coleman has set me up for, but I know that the Holy Spirit is going to move and whatever comes out is going to be anointed. So I'm excited to see what's in store for tonight. So thank you, Dr. Coleman, for having me again. You're welcome. And he's right. I haven't prepped him. There are no questions in advance here like I do most of the guests because I know whatever we ask, he can handle it. And I wanted us to just have a general conversation. So let's start with this new book, Man Accomplished <laughs> and Challenges. And then we've got to get to some of the other topics that you specialize sure. in, like uh, five critical things every Christian man needs to know to succeed mm -hmm. and five critical things you need to, you need to be to be the hero of your home. 
So we're going to talk about those too, because I think sometimes uh, when you follow social media, you there's this thought that seems to be trending that men aren't doing what they need to do in order to be the hero at their home. Mm. And they don't know how to do it. So uh, I said, we should talk about that a little bit too. All right. So you want to start with the book first? Yes, I want to start with the book first. I tell you. Now, I tell you, we're going to save some time, Dr. Coleman, because those five things, the critical things that every kingdom man needs is the same five things to help you be the hero of your home. So we're already going to save some time on that. <laughs> it's the same exact five things. And so, and they're very, very powerful. And, and I'll tell you the, uh, the how we came up with those five is truly incredible. Cool. Um, and we also so talked the last time, I think we were cut off on the internet about how to have a happy, a happy wife. So I know men are dying to hear that part because, <laughs> you know, we all know happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so let's start with the book. So what, what do you want? What do you want me to tell you about the book, Dr. Colvin? What can I tell you about? It? So the book is Man Accomplished. And there right. are a series of challenges about in the book that are listed that men are challenged to actually complete not right. attempt but to complete 50 challenges 50 that challenges. means someone has to be working on a challenge at least once every week once a week that's in right. order to get through it for the year and as you and i both know sometimes challenges really introduce you to who you are and you might need 30 days on that one challenge absolutely yeah i, so, I was telling you before that um most people would say is it's author suicide but i wrote a book that most people won't be able to finish well most men they should be able to finish it, but because they're challenging, like you said, they can't read through it like a book. I said, this is not really a book that you read. It's actually um, an action guide that you go through because I didn't want to write. Uh, I've written, like you said, I've written nine other books. I didn't want to write another book. I wanted a book that was going to challenge them and say, oh, I must take action every time I pick it up. But I got to tell you what I didn't tell you is how the book was inspired. Um, we all know that um, God is the creator of the universe. Yes. And a lot of times we question God about God. Why is this? Why is that? God, why'd you do this? Why'd you make Adam and Eve? Why'd you? And I can't tell you how it happened, but I had this conversation with God in one of my quiet times and with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit asked, if you could create a man from scratch, since, you know, you saw what I did with Adam and Eve, if you could do it all over, but this time, you're not me, but you now have lived over 50 years. You've been through hell and back. You know, you you know, you've learned a lot. You've made a lot of mistakes. If you could now, based on your experience with working with hundreds of men, mentoring, coaching hundreds of men from ages from um, um, seven year old boys when I used to um, teach elementary school mm -hmm. to working with men who are in their 80s. Based on all that and having a, 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 a podcast, it's the top rated podcast in the country on Apple Podcasts for Christian men. Based on what you know, if you had to build a man from scratch, where would you start? What would you do first? What would you do second? What would you teach him <laughs> third, fourth? And you had to do it in a year. Now, it only took me less than seven days, <laughs> right? but I'm giving you a year. If you could do it, what would you do? Very ambitious ask. Because I'll say, okay, God, what would I start with based on what I knew? And so I started. So already I'm like writing down what I would do first. He said, stop. Right? I said, stop. I said, you told me to say, he said, no. You started with what you would do for what you would teach him first. He says, now, 
let it rest. Come back in seven days and pray to me again and ask me, what would you teach? Let's do it all over again. What would you teach him second? So this book took me over a year to write because I prayed over each challenge over the course of a year. I've never done that with the book before. It's always you get the inspiration, you get it down on paper, you catch it, you run with it, you get it published, da da da, da. This one, I wanted to get ahead so fast, but God said, no, one at a time, one at a time. So I prayed over, there's 50 prayers over each one of these challenges. Now, here's something as I'm talking about a teaser. Now, think about everything I can teach a man, all right? Do you know we don't cover sex until like 40-something? Now, think <laughs> about that. Now, you would think that would be way in the beginning. Way in the beginning. We right. didn't get to that. To around maybe late 30s, early 40s. <laughs> and, and like, what? And because what I realized, and I and God knew what he was doing too. We have made sex more important than what it really needs to be. And know how Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone when he was tempted in the wilderness. Yes. News flash for a minute. Man does not live by sex alone. We act like we do, <laughs> but it's not. It's important. I ain't going to lie to you. It is great. It is awesome. It's not the most important thing. There were so many other things that I had to get to. And I kept thinking, God, when are we going to get to sex? And he says, no, what's more important? And they always give me something else that's more important. Yeah, that's right. That's more important than the sex. You know, and then we finally got to talking about sex later on in the book. So this book is truly, to me, is something that I'm probably out of my whole career, something I'm most proud of. Not because it's going to sell a lot of books and people are going to read it, because if I should die now, this is a book that in our family, you're talking about who was raised without a dad in the home, mm -hmm. age mother with two kids, no father, no role models growing up. This is a book they can pass down from generation to generation. It's never going to be dated. It's never going to be out of date because it's based on God's word. It's based on his truth. It's based on my experience and i'm challenging men to build better lives so my grandchildren my great-grandchildren my great-great-grandchildren they will still be able to read this book long after i'm gone and like wow this is a great manual on how to be a man and you learn it from your great-great-great-great-grandfather you know joe martin so i'm really excited about it if you can't tell <laughs> so what what is one of the easier challenges that men can look toward look forward to um, I think when it comes down to the easiest challenge is going to be when we get to the money side, the money, okay. because it's not what it, we're not going to be talking about investing. We're, we're talking about being good stewards. Okay. And everything is done from not what society and culture wants, but what does God want from us when it comes to this? That's why sex is so far back because God said, I didn't want your whole life to revolve around sex, but that's what we live in a society that culture is always talking about sex, 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 sex. What do you say? Sex sells. Yes. You put sex, sexy this, sexy that. When you say sex, people pay attention. And so I, it was written from the standpoint of what does God desire most from us first? That's why I, I was telling you in the first challenge is you have to write your eulogy. You okay. have to start, the whole book starts with you dying. Because think about this. If you could teach man anything, what is the most important thing you could teach a man? be ready for eternity because you are going to die. Why wait till you die to get prepared for eternity? Mm -hmm. Prepare for eternity now. If you knew you were going to die today, 
what would you want said at your funeral about how you lived? And most men, they get stuck on that first challenge because they think, man, you want to think about my death? Yeah. Think about your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your friends. What would they, what would you want them to say about you? And most men have never really thought about it. Oh, he worked hard. Um, he left us a lot of money, you know, but now you ask yourself, what would God want them to say about you? And then men write that challenge out. And now the challenge is now you got to live your life backwards. Now live your life and make choices based on the man you expect people to talk about when you're gone. Good example, me writing this book. What do I want remember most about me? Not how much money I made, how many, not how many degrees I earned. His faith and foundation, what did he build his life around? What changed his life? What shaped his life? What was most important to him? It was his faith that dictated how he loved his wife, how he um, led his family, how he loved his brethren. This dictated everything. And so we start with that in mind. Now, that what makes this book so challenging, not only must you write your eulogy, you have to share it with somebody. You have yeah, to go to people and, and right. then let them read it and say, am I living that life consistently? Is that what they will say about me? And can you imagine your friend like, child, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. That's how you want to be remembered? Yeah, right you got now, some work to do there. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little bit off on <laughs> And so that's why this book is either going to inspire you to start living right or it's going to intimidate you to think, wow, I really got a long way to go. So, but what if we started living our life as if we're going to see God tomorrow? What if we start living our life as if we, we, we're not going to see tomorrow? What, what would we do differently if we knew this is the last time I'm going to see my wife, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my son, my daughter? We would live our lives so differently. And the scary thing about it, Dr. Coleman, is that we all know we're going to die. We just don't believe it's going to happen today. We don't believe it's going to happen tonight. Tonight. And the question is, God is saying, what are you waiting for? Don't get ready. Be ready. If you be ready and stay ready, you don't have to get ready. In this biblical, he says, when he comes, when they talk about with the, what was the, um, the virgins with the lamps and everything about having, he says, why? They said they're knocking on doors. Hey, he's coming. I got to get me. He said, no, you should have been prepared knowing he was going to return. And so we're trying to get men to stop waiting until it's too late to start living your life. My dad, who now I have a relationship with, he wasn't in my life growing up. He's in his late 70s now. And he has his life has changed dramatically, Dr. Coleman. And he has a relationship with me now. And it's good. Mm -hmm. But you got to believe he's thinking, how many years did I waste? Right. How many years? How many years did I waste not knowing who my son really was? Not being closer to him. And if you can give him a do-over, even though he's happy now with the relationship he has with me and my siblings, if he had a do-over, he would have started sooner. Right. Being the man God called him to be. So that's what it's about. So with the men that you've worked with and they've written their eulogy, what are some of the aha moments that some of those men have? So people listening, because I'm going to challenge people who watch this to write their eulogy, because I, I think that that is a great practice but you know, it's sad, though, Dr. Coleman, what I've been getting, because also in the book, I encourage them by saying, reach out to me, share it with me. Uh -huh. if, you want, if you want to talk to somebody, you know, you can share it with me. And it's sad. Now, I'm not saying this for every person that read the book, because we've got a lot of reviews on Amazon and everything. But all I can tell you for the people who I know who've read the book, 
And it's sad because they're thinking, wow, I've been wasting my life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, my priorities are not right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I had a hard time based on what I want people to say and what I know they will say. And it is a very humbling. If anything, I probably, I, I, even though God wanted me to, he said, where would you start? I'll start with that. It's got to be. I think if I would put that later in the book, more people will get more through the book. But I think that one is more shocking. Mm-hmm. And it's at the beginning because it should be because it's the most important thing is what is the legacy? Jesus left us a legacy. Abraham left us a legacy, but so did Adam. And what do people remember Adam for? Now, and it ain't even fair, Dr. Coleman, because he made one mistake. And that's all we remember him for. Right. I'm sure Adam was deeper than that one mistake. Right. But that's all we remember. Abraham wasn't even perfect, and he made some mistakes, but we don't remember for his mistakes. We remember him for his faith. Right, for his faith. And we remember what are they going to remember? Faith and his wisdom, yes. Right. And so most men that, that when they do it, they say it was very jarring mm-hmm. to them. Now, you got to also understand, I work with men who are coming to get help. So if they were already, quote, healthy, they wouldn't <laughs> probably get my book in the first place. <laughs> right. And so for them, they were like, I was looking at And they're like, wow. If anything, it was a wake-up call that what am I waiting for? I need to start living. And if anything, it gets them to say more commitment, like, wow, I need help. Because I'm not living this. And wow, this is very humbling because what I know they would say and what I want them to say, how do I bridge that gap? Right. Because it has to be, it has to be consistent or something's not right. So what do some of the men do or what did you do to bridge the gap when you wrote your eulogy and figured out you still had a little more work to do. <laughs> well, it goes back. It's now you transition to those five things I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Um, those five things. And what I can tell you, and I'll, I'll set the, the listener up for it this way. I thought I was smart when I came up with the five things, right? Because I my life was, you know, I told you on the last show, from rags to riches to ruin to redemption. I started with nothing. By the grace of God, I achieved a lot before I reached the age of 30. Then I lost it all by the, age, by the time I reached the age of 40 because of my, my addictions and my problems, my issues, and I destroyed my life. And then God redeemed me and restored me and gave it all back to me by the time I reached the age of 50. And people always want to know, how'd you do it? And so I thought I was smart because it took over a lot of years. I realized, wow, it took a lot of work. And so I thought, wow, that's my story. But then when I launched my show, Real Men Connect Podcast, I started interviewing guests who I've never met before from all over the world, no different than what you do. Mm-hmm. And I know I would ask them, there was a part of my show where I call it the man up questions. They started with letters M-A-N-U-P. But it was the first two questions I asked them, which was the M, it was, what was the biggest mistake that you made as a man that you learned the most from? That was one question. And the A was, if there was an attitude in men you could change, what would it be? Dr. Coleman, that's when the light bulbs went off. Because as I'm interviewing all these guests, now we're, we just released episode 657, okay? So I'm interviewing a lot of men. Around, there was around maybe episode 150-something. I started hearing, I said, wait a minute. I don't know these guys, but they're saying the same things that I did. Yes. And I'm thinking, now, they wouldn't say them all, but it was always hitting one of the five. So I stopped saying they're saying the same thing, and I found out it was five of them, right? 
I said, now that's interesting. We're all saying the same thing, but we don't know each other, which tells me a clue. And they're all men of God. Guess what that means? We're all plagiarists. We probably stole this from the Bible and we're not giving God credit for it. <laughs> so I went back to the Bible. I said, is this, could this be from the Bible? And so what man did I decide to study? Jesus. Did Jesus have these five things? And guess what I found out? There it is. All this time we were imitating Christ that got us back to redeemed and restored. And we never gave God credit. We said, oh, thank God. But we never pinpointed it was specifically five things that Jesus had. There was one that I was really questioning until God had to deal with me on that one thing. But he, he said, so what happened to bridge that gap? It was five things. And now we're transitioning to the five things that make you the hero of your home. All right. Okay. The first thing, and it's the most important thing. Now, most of you think this is all you need and you don't need the rest. No, this is the glue that holds all of it together. You have to have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Right. Every man that has tried that tried to destroy his life, <laughs> when he when I'm talking about that got it restored, he would tell you he hit rock bottom or he had a, a road to Damascus experience where he finally met Jesus. Not I know the God of the Bible. No, this is now Lord of my life. I know I'm a savior, but I didn't I didn't know he wasn't my Lord where I obeyed him. And so it's about having a personal, intimate relationship. You hear churches say it all the time. Oh, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. But they never tell you how to build a relationship. I had to learn how somebody had to disciple me, teach me how to have a relationship with Christ. Right. So that was the first one. Now, let's look at Jesus. I'm a model Jesus doing every one of these things. Okay. Did Jesus have a great relationship, intimate relationship with the father? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even when he was with the disciples, they said, where did Jesus go? Jesus done walked off to have time with God because he knew nothing was more important than his intimate personal time with the father, right? And you knew he spent time with the father when he came back. And it also got him in trouble because he was talking about what God told him, you know, right? How do you know what God said? Nobody's seen God. And so personal interrelation with Christ, that's number one. Number two. You have to have a community of men around you. A man is only as strong as the number of stronger godly men he has around him. If you want to see a strong man, ask him this. How many men do you have on your team? Let's look at Jesus. Jesus was perfect in every way. Lacking nothing. And he chose to do life alone. No, he didn't. He chose 12 men who were flawed, who weren't perfect. One he knew was going to betray him. And he had 75 other people following him. But he handpicked 12 people to be on his team. And Dr. Coleman, he didn't even need it. So my question is, why did he do it? To teach us you can't do life alone. Jesus could have and chose not to. We, Jesus, now God is telling us we can't and we still choose to. So you got to have a community of men. My life and these men who I've interviewed, their lives change when they realize, oh, I can't be a Lone Ranger. Even Lone Ranger had Tonto. Mm -hmm. So I got to do life with other men. Even if I can't trust everybody, I'm going to have to trust somebody. Right. And so you can't do life alone. There's no exception to that. No man has ever succeeded doing it by himself. 
Jesus didn't even do it. So if Jesus didn't do it, what makes you think you better than Jesus? Right. <laughs> and he was perfect. So you got to have a community. So personal intimation with Christ, two communities, they all start with C's. So they're not going to forget this. So <laughs> the third one is connection. Now watch this, Dr. Coleman. You say, well, you got community connection with who? Three, two to three other people that's closer mm-hmm. to you even than the community. Okay. Mm-hmm. These I call these your foxhole friends. Um, you okay. might call them your go-to girls. Are you following me? Now I call so, them foxhole buddies too. <laughs> buddies, yeah. And I call them my my uh, you know, my my gotcha back brothers. Um, right. you know, it's closer now. Watch this. Jesus had 12 that he chose, but go to the Bible and look at Jesus at, at pivotal points. I'm talking about his highest mm-hmm. when he was at, at the greatest, his top. When he was at the bottom, at his lowest of lows, and when he did certain miracles, guess what you're going to find out, Dr. Coleman, that I did not see, and I've been following Jesus for years. He always had the same three people, same three people. around him. Yes. What a coincidence. It yes. was always Peter, James, and John. And I'm thinking, always. wait a minute. How come it wasn't three different people when he was on, on the Mount Transfiguration? How come it wasn't three different people when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? How was it with three different people when he's raising, you know, when he's raising a, a, a dead person? Mm-hmm. Why it was always Peter, James, and John? It was sending us a message. Now you see when the scripture says that when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It was always in the Bible. Right. We just didn't. I started looking and I found it. Like, wait a minute. And the way I make it in more um, terms that we can understand as people, like we're talking about your um, Fox old friends, uh-huh. is let's say, Dr. Coleman, God forbid you get arrested for doing something stupid. Now, you got a lot of friends. You ain't calling everybody. That's right. <laughs> you, you ain't calling everybody. <laughs> you got a short list of people That's who right. you won't call because you know no matter what you did to get locked up, you can tell them and they're not going to lose respect for you. That's right. They're going to get you out before they chew you out. <laughs> right? They're not tell on you either. <laughs> That's right. Now, when you get out, now it's a different story after they get you out. Right. That's a different but story. They, right. What were you thinking? Right. What were you thinking? Right. But they're going to be there for you and you don't have to put on a front. You don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to fake it. You could just be yourself. I call it. Somebody, people who you have permission to fall apart in front of. Right. And they not lose respect for you. Right. Pastors want it so bad, but they know if they told all their business, the congregation would look at them funny. Right. So the pastor's got to find somebody outside their church <laughs> that they can fall apart in front of. Right. Every, so Jesus fell apart in front of Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. Asking him, y'all need to pray for me. This, what I'm getting ready to do Please, the devil is coming to sift you like we pray for me. And those fools fell asleep on them three times. <laughs> right. But Jesus, and I thank God, why would you give us an example like that when his friends let him down? And this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. Jesus picked those three to show us that we got to also have grace for our fossil friends and mercy because they're not going to be perfect. That's why when you see people who are really close friends and then you you always see them together. And then when you see the person, say, hey, how your friend um Dr. Coleman doing? Oh, I don't talk to her anymore. Well, what happened? Oh, we had a falling out. But y'all known each other for 30 years. What happened? It couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> what? 
because you got because I didn't extend you grace and mercy. You should be able to extend grace and mercy to those friends who've been with you your day ones. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why God put them in your life, and we need at least now. My thing is, Jesus had three of them. We need to at least get three. All right. <laughs> That's right. Most people feel they're blessed, they find one in a lifetime, but you got to have three. Now, me, I got at least about 30. And people say, Joe, why do you got that many? Oh, I don't need that many, but I recruit them now to find that. And because I've never heard anybody say, I got too many godly men in my life, I need to cut some of them loose. You know, right. so I look at it as I'm needy and I need people like that that I could fall apart in front of. So now, what let's recap Christ. Right. Community, right. connection. Right. Here's the next thing for that man to be able to write his eulogy and leave a legacy. You're going to need coaching, a mentor, someone a guy, someone who's a little bit ahead of you. They don't have to be perfect. They don't even have to be older, Dr. Coleman. Because I tell my son all the time, I said, age doesn't make you mature. It just means you old. <laughs> right? Right. Control, right? Wisdom makes you mature. Are you following me? Yeah, yeah. You can have a young person leading an older person if that young person is more emotionally and relationally more mature yeah. and spiritually more mature than that person. And so every person needs a mentor, a coach. Now, let's let Jesus, and we use look at Jesus, he had that. Jesus was out sin. So the perfect only person that was higher ahead of Jesus was God. Mm -hmm. And so he went to the Father for guidance. And he said, I only do and speak what I hear and see the father do. It got him in trouble saying that. But he was right. Who's going to look to you to lead him? The father is leading him. But let's get it off Jesus and look practical in the Bible. Guess what? Timothy had Paul. Yes. Elisha had Elijah. Right. David had Nathan. Mm -hmm. Solomon had David. Mm -hmm. Joshua had Moses. Yep. Moses had Jethro. Lot had Abraham. Peter had Jesus. Mm -hmm. Do you see a trend here, Dr. Coleman? Yes. Everybody had something, somebody. And I said, even to make it even more proud, this is what really get men to see it. Men love sports. I'm watching the NBA playoffs right now. They love sports, right? Arguing who's the best player. I said, name me one world champion in any sport, male or female. Any Olympian champion, world champion, you name it, you can give me the sport. I don't care if it's um golf, I don't care if it's football, it doesn't if it's an individual sport or even a team sport. Show me one world champion who's ever won a championship without a coach. I'll wait. Name me one. That you're right, but we're not in the history not right. of the we, world. That's right. Has any champion ever won anything lebron james has a coach yes tiger woods has a coach they play two different sports right it's there well i don't see a coach with um tiger woods he has a swing coach mm -hmm. he has a nutritionist mm -hmm. he has somebody who's smarter in an area than he is teaching him something and so this is what i asked men i said do you want to be a champion husband well of course i do do you want to be champion as a father yeah. Do you want to be a champion as a leader, as a Christian, as a business owner, as a community leader, as anything? They say, yeah. I said, then who's your coach? Well, I don't have one. Then that means either you are naive, thinking you're going to be the first in history to ever win anything without a coach. <laughs> Two, either you're um, you're arrogant 
Because <laughs> you you think you don't need a coach or you're just deceived because nobody's ever done it. Even Jesus had the father. So my question is, who's coaching you if you're trying to be a champion? And so Christ, community, mm-hmm. connection, coaching. Here's the one I had a debate on with God. Counseling. <laughs> Don't you love those debates? You never win. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought I got. I said, God, count. I said, all these men I interviewed, they said that counseling, they would have gotten counseling sooner, right? Because they've messed up their lives, they've been struggling. Mm-hmm. But you know how we, especially men of color, or even people of of Latino descent, I ain't getting no, I ain't crazy, I ain't going to counseling, I ain't getting counseling. Getting counseling doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're courageous and you're wise. But the reason why we don't like going to counseling because we misuse and abuse counseling. We go to counseling after we've destroyed our lives mm-hmm. or our marriages and say, fix this. You know, I was driving my car and my car started smoking a little bit. I'm like, what my car smoking for? Guess what I found? It's easier to take my car and to get an oil change than an engine overhaul. I'm, ta- I'm not waiting for my engine to break down to take my car. I'm taking my car in tomorrow. I'll say, hey, well, y'all check this out. I see some smoke coming from under the hood. But what do we do as men? Oh, she leaving me. I need okay. Oh, baby, I'll get counseling. <laughs> <laughs> but you you waited too long to get counseling. But here's the thing: <laughs> counseling is the one thing that every man needs, but no man wants unless his wife threatens divorce or is court ordered. All right, and we got to break out of this and get the help that we need. Now, here's where I debated God. I was like, God. All right. I get it. I need a count. I went to counseling for three years to get my life in. The other guy said, yeah, and I go to counseling and I go to counseling at least two or three times. I had a counseling session a day with my counselor. They said, you go two or three times a year. Yeah. So I have to go two or three times a week. That's why I go two or three times a year. It's cheaper, you know? <laughs> and so, but I said, God, Jesus didn't have a counselor. He says, wait, read your scripture. What did Jesus tell the disciples when he said he had to leave, when they didn't want him to leave? He says, you guys know I have to leave because I am leaving, so I will send you another, another, a comforter, a guide, wait for it, a counselor to lead you in all spirit and truth. He was talking about in spiritual things. So guess what? You don't have to just get it from the pastor. I'm going to do well. You're going to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in spirit and truth. Now, here's the thing. I got, okay, I get that. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. What they got to do with us getting counseling? He says, Jesus was out without sin. You are not without sin. <laughs> and you've been traumatized by your sin. <laughs> right. But what I will do, I will anoint and I will put in, in place some people who have a biblical foundation who know my word and guess what? They're not going to give you the answers. They're going to lead and guide you to back to me for the answers. They will counsel you. They would, this, there's wisdom in the, in, in the, in the company of godly counsel. Mm-hmm. He says, so we are to get counseling. So the bridge that gap and you want to write your eulogy. So you build a legacy. My question is, do you have a personal intimate relation with Christ? Tell me the people on your team in your community. Who are your go-to brothers and sisters when you're in a crisis who will make sure you don't stay stuck on stupid? Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) 
Who's coaching you and mentor? I got six coaches, Dr. Coleman. Six mentors. One changed my life. I recruited five more. Because one changed my life. What do you think six is doing for me? Mm-hmm. Are you following me? Yes. And also, I didn't want to put all my stock in one because he could die. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I want to have some backup, you know, because I did lose one that I replaced. He lost, I lost him two years ago who taught me everything I know about discipling men. And I lost him two years ago. And I got another guy who I put to put in his place. Six. And also, you're going to need counseling. Counseling helps you see your blind spots. See, I thought my addiction was my identity. Oh, I'm just a, this. I'm an addict. Guess what I found out? No, the addiction was medication for what my real issue was. That I had abandonment issues. I had control issues. Mm-hmm. That I had unrealist expectations that I would put on people and I was quick to cut people loose and cut them off because I was insecure. Because I had some trauma and some drama that I never dealt with. Because what you don't express, you suppress. Mm-hmm. And when you whatever you suppress, you will be oppressed by the enemy with it. And I went under oppression. And guess what? I chose sex as my medication. Women, porn as my medication, as my medication of choice. Some people choose alcohol. Right. Some choose um, drugs. Some choose work, Dr. Coleman. I know. And retail therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Retail. My daughter says that. My daughter. I didn't even know what that was to my daughter. Talking about. <laughs> Some choose retail therapy. Right. Right, we choose food, food, yes. Um, video gaming, yes, you know, Possibly on your phone, looking at on your phone, yeah. social right. media, right? Everybody has their quote drug of choice, mm-hmm. it's because we're trying to medicate that, that, that part of us that's wounded, that's hurting. Why are people on social media they're looking for validation mm-hmm. if they're addicted to it, validation and approval and acceptance, from yes, people. yes. And everything is about wanting to be loved. That's all it really come down to. You want to be loved unconditionally. But God says, don't look for it out there. Look for it in me. That's why the first and the most important relationship is with him first. And out of that, the overflow of your love with him will pour into your wives, your children, your family, and everybody else. But if you don't have an intimate personal, I ain't talking about people with religion. Because I met some mean Christians. <laughs> I'm talking about people who have an intimate, when they know the father, they are humbled by his love and they extend grace and mercy to other people. So when you uh, when you're talking to men and you're talking about finding that, I guess, that calmness, that center in yourself, finding what you need to do, that sounds so feminine. So how do you, yeah. <laughs> you know, so how you convince guys, how you convince guys that they need to sit still with themselves. Now you. You're not going to invite me back on the show when I tell you that. Okay. <laughs> because you're like, Joe, why would you say that on my air? I, I, you're right. You were, you were right spot on. I got to convince men about that. So here's what I tell them. <laughs> I asked, uh, and I want you, I want them to receive it in spirit. Let's pray real quick while I say this. <laughs> Please, this is anointed. It may not sound anointed. <laughs> right? But God gave this to me and God didn't tell me to shut up. He told me to say it. And people look at me, I say it in churches and everything, and it freaked them out. But they, they got to say, but he's got a point. I can't argue with him. Here it is. Men, I, I challenge men with a riddle. I said, what is the one thing that every man wants 
Now, I'm not talking about women now. Women want it too, but I'm talking about men. I do this with men. What is the one thing that every man wants, but is still a, is afraid to admit that he needs? And no man has figured it out yet. You should see a group of men. It is hilarious. <laughs> they, they think, sex? I said, no, what man you know ain't willing to tell you he wants sex? All right. <laughs> the key is that I said, listen to what I said. Every man wants it, but he's afraid to admit that he needs it. That's the riddle. That second part, he's afraid to admit that he needs it. Food? No. Y'all not listening to me. He's afraid to admit he needs it. To be loved? No. He'll tell you, I need love, baby. I need love. <laughs> no. What is? So they can't figure it out. I said, y'all ready for it? And they're all leaning in. That he wants intimacy. To be known, right? And they're all like, what? <laughs> they all look at me, what? I said, let me describe it a different way. Every man at his core wants somebody who would know the his deepest, darkest secrets and not flinch when he tell them and they not look at him. Remember we're talking about that intimate three? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Right. He wants somebody who knows him down to his core and he can be unashamed. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to feel guilty about the thoughts that he has. He want to be naked and unashamed and be able to talk to somebody and just be able to pour out his soul and his heart to somebody. Somebody he knows he has a, a bond and a connection with that who gets him. Yes. Who really gets yes. him. And loves him in spite of himself. That person had, wow, if I can't tell anybody this, I can tell this person that. Somebody, and now you can see the light bulbs going off. I said, yeah. how many of y'all want that? They all. They all want that. Yeah. All want that. Everybody said, wants But it. how many of you go around telling people you need it? And that's when you don't see them. Nobody raises their hand. I said, now, here's answer your question, Dr. Coleman. I said, you know why you don't tell people you need it? Because you're afraid of what people are going to think if you say it. I said, and now, and now imagine a group of men. Mm -hmm. And I tell them this. I said, what if I was your, your, your guy friend and I came up to you and said this? And Dr. Coleman, we're going to make you, now you're going to make you Stephen, not Stephanie. Okay. Right. <laughs> what if I came to you, Stephen, and I said this? Dude, I really want to be intimate with you. <laughs> and I really want you to know me, man. And I want to know you. And man, I just want to be able to just be naked and unashamed in front of you. They start cracking up and they start right. laughing. Right? Oh no, back up, back like, up. Said, what y'all laughing for? Right there, they said, man, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. I said, now, I'm going to stop you from laughing now. This is why I'm going to get in trouble on your show. Now I'm going to stop you from laughing. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Stephanie, I want to get to know you. And I really want you to know me. I want to know your heart. And I want you to know my heart. I want to be so close to you and have you so close to me, you can feel my breath and I can feel yours. I want you to be naked and unashamed in front of me that you can tell me anything. And I want to reveal my secrets to you. And we can fellowship together. They get real quiet, Dr. Coleman. Mm -hmm. I said, 
who does that sound like? They said, it sounds like God. I said, and guess what? Y'all just told me God is gay. <laughs> and that's when they get it. Okay. I said, we don't say it because it sounds feminine. Right. But guess what you're saying? God wants that with us. And guess what? That doesn't involve sex. Exactly. It's called intimacy. Into me see. Into me see. Intimacy. And guess why we really need that, but we're afraid. God made us that way. <laughs> he made us. Because who was the first relationship? They said Adam and Eve. No. It was Adam and who? God. God. Right. Adam. And they had perfect intimacy. And Adam was naked. You don't think that's weird? <laughs> and he's having an intimate relationship with God and he butt naked, but doesn't even know it. And it's perfect. Adam didn't complain. I'm lonely. God, can you send me somebody? God said, made the suggestion. Wait a minute. This is good. Hmm. Made these animals. They got, you know what? But it ain't good for man to be alone. So I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. We got, we got missed. We, we, we don't listen right. This is what we think God said. Hmm. It's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to make him a person who's a replacement for me. And we make our wives the replacement for. It's God. deeper than that. Yeah. That's why I said the first thing to build that bridge is what? A personal, intimate relationship with Christ. That's where it was. That's the original relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, Wow. God, thank you for blessing me with this wife. How do you want me to love her? That's what Adam should have done with Eve. But he got so caught up with Eve, he forgot about what the father said. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, when they ate that fruit, oh, let's cover ourselves. And we've been hiding and covering up ever since. Ever since. So, but the reason why, men, so that's how I get men to accept that. They got to stop thinking like the culture. Get back to a, to the original Adam. We had a perfect relationship with the father and it wasn't gay. It wasn't a feminine. It, it was just a relationship. And we've gotten so far away from that. And now we don't all screw it up now in society now that we've lost that. It's now I got to be me. And so... I got to pursue what makes me feel good, not what God says. And that's why we're in this predicament. We're in society now. We've gotten away from our intimate relationship with the father. It is mm -hmm. now about my masculinity, my femininity, about my. God didn't mean for us to define ourselves by our sexuality. We weren't supposed to be defined by that, not our sexual desires. Now you see why sex is farther in the book now. Right. Because we define everything now by our sexual desires. Yes, we men do. by their masculinity, women by their femininity. Now we're crossing lines and all this. God never, that wasn't, we weren't meant to define ourselves by that. It was based on what, how, how he views us in mm -hmm. his eyes in our relationship with him. So that's how we, we do it. I got to shock men to get them to understand. No, you desire this relationship. That's why in our community, Dr. Coleman, it's nothing for us. I, I'm on a call with a guy today. 
Hey, man, he said, man, I got to go. Man, I love you. Ain't nothing you can do about it. I love you, bro. I mean, I love we tell each other we love you every time we talk to each other. Do you know I went my whole life not hearing a man tell me that? And now I can't go a day without hearing that from one of the brothers in our community. And guess what we don't say? Ooh, I, I said I love him. We love saying we love you to each other. Because we see now it has nothing to do with sexuality. It has everything to do with our relationship. That Guess what? I can tell you my struggles and you can tell me yours. You don't have to be ashamed to be around me to tell me what you're going through. And man, I wish every man could have what we have in our community. That would be great because we don't, we, we hide them and we keep our troubles like there's some badge of honor yeah. and then only to find out that they are helping to just even ruin our lives even further. And just, you can't accomplish anything like that because mm -hmm. you're stuck right there. And when you were saying uh, earlier, I thought, you know, I did take, I, you know, I've had a hard head life and I talk about the techniques I use to overcome and you're right. They're straight from. <laughs> straight from the Bible. We stole it. Right. We've been, we been plagiarized for years and God ain't sue us yet. I'm surprised God ain't sue us yet. <laughs> right. But society right. does it too. Society does it too. Right. Every new idea that we think is a new idea, you'll see that if it's really based in truth, it's going to be based on God's word. Right. So I talk about gratitude, visualization, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I'm just writing this down. Staying present and focused in the moment and tithing. And I thought, and do you know there's a biblical reference for every one of those? I, yeah, I says, oh, as soon as you were saying, I'm thinking the scriptures already while you were saying that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, God, I stole these. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I repurposed them into my life and figured but out. You know what? Dr. Come, God ain't mad. He said, I know. My children, know. look at my babies. Right. Look at them. Right. Look at them. They're getting it. They're getting it finally. Mm. Right. And now she'll be able to walk without stumbling. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and tripping over the mountain. She'll see the mountain before she That's right. Exactly. Because <laughs> I swear I spent the first part of my life tripping over the mountain. You know, it's like, me too. Oh. Me too. So going forward uh, in, in, in this book, so what's another tough challenge for men? Because I'm finding that as I listen to this, these are these are things that everyone needs to do. Everyone needs to sit down. Mm -hmm and write their eulogy mm -hmm. you know talk about what you accomplished what you want to accomplish how are people going to remember you right. and if you don't know then ask people mm -hmm. but you got to ask people close to you mm -hmm. that'll tell you how you know they, they won't sugarcoat it so right. you know what to change that's the best way to know how to get on the path mm -hmm. that you actually were sent here to be on we were all i believe we were all given specific assignments to do when we get here and if we're not on assignment then the world looks crazy because we're not doing our part. Right, right. Yeah. So what's another thing that you would uh, recommend? Ooh. We got a few more minutes to go before right. we have to- This, this is good because I'm glad, I didn't know we were gonna be talking about the book, but this is great because this is what I love to talk about because it, it really meant a lot to me to write this thing. And the first one, what I told you, and we call that in the chapter, it was about um, your legacy. We call that your legacy. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two is what you're talking about. This is the next one. I said, okay, God stopped me. He said, okay, you can't go on to the next one. Give me a week, pray again. And then what's next? And I said, okay, God, based on what I've witnessed, based on what I know, most men, first of all, they're not thinking about dying. They're not thinking about how they're going to be remembered. They're living as if they're never going to die and they're right. never going to see your face. They're never going to be right. judged. 
You know, they're not living a life with a reverent fear of you. And he says the, you know, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So God, hopefully this will shock him into thinking about the legacy having a reverent fear of you. Here's number two, which I think is the biggest problem that men have in its identity. And we talked about this before, but it's still worth stressing. Dr. Coleman, if I, if I, I'm a pretty decent communicator, mm -hmm. but I can't possibly put words to how important what I'm telling you is you have to know the number of men that I see in different ages, denominations, ethnic groups, different country. It doesn't matter. I, this is blowing my mind. I didn't know this until I got into this field. We have an identity problem. And here's the identity problem. We think we're what we do. Yep. We define this. When I say we think we define ourselves based on what we do, right. what we've done, mistakes we've made, our past. Mm -hmm. We believe we are our pain. Mm -hmm. We will believe we are our fears, our doubts, our insecurities. We think we're our bank account. Yes. We think we're where we live. Mm -hmm. We think we're our position, our title. Mm -hmm. We think what we think we are what other people think of us, think mm -hmm. social media. We we think we even think what we think we think of ourselves. We think we're our thoughts. Yes. We think we're everything, our our intelligence, our love of education, um, the amount of respect we get or mm -hmm. don't get, our communication skills. You can name a million things. And I'll find somebody who believes that defines me. That's my purpose. That's who I am. You take this away from me. I'm nothing. We define it in our, we, we, we think we are our relationships. Yes, we do. Uh, if I get a divorce, who am I? Oh, I don't have any kids. Who am I? I'm not, I'm not a woman. If I can't bear kids or I lost my kid, that was who I was. I don't have life to live anymore. We define ourselves by everything except the right thing which is who but who does god say you are very rarely do you see somebody tell they say well um who do you think you are and they tell you what god says about them get on a plane the first question somebody's gonna ask you before they don't even ask your name they sit next to you so what do you do they're, they're having a conversation talking to you and they'll get around to what do you do Especially if it's a man, what do you do for a living? And then you notice, and this happened to me a lot. I fly a lot of planes, and right when we get ready to get off the plane, oh, by the way, my name is. I know. They don't even introduce you with their name. They start out with everything else by asking you, "Are you married? You know, do you have any kids? Where you going? What you do for a living? How long you been doing that? Where you from? We define ourselves by where we're from. You know, ethnicity, everything else." But very rarely, go. I would like to hear just one person <laughs> tell me. So, um, who are you, man? I'm a blood bought <laughs> child of God who was redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am, I am beloved. I am adopted. I am holy. I've been set apart. I am beautifully, wonderfully made. We don't define ourselves the way God sees us. 
We define ourselves by everything else but how God sees right. us. That's right. And at the core and the center of every man that I've met, their struggle, if they're struggling, it's just a different degrees. If they're struggling with anything, I have to stop the conversation and I say this, who do you think you are? Now, that sounds like a challenge, but I'm at really asking, no, stop and tell me who do you think you are? Or now, what comes out of your mouth next? Does that, is that what God calls you? Is that what God says about you? Well, no, then why are you saying it? Right. Why are you calling yourself, defining yourself based on something that God doesn't say about you? Yes. And if I can get man to change that thing, I just put it this way. I, this is how, how important this is. I've told our own men, we have this thing called the real man reality. Okay. That I have, I challenge them to memorize. And it's, what God says about them. And even though you're not a man, Dr. Coleman, I'm going to use it on you. Okay. Right. And this is, and every time I use this on a man, you should see, he starts getting teary eyed. Right. And I know why he's getting emotional about it because he's struggling with it. Mm -hmm. This is what I tell him. I said, this is now I'm going to be God talking to you, Dr. Coleman. All right. Okay. Stephanie, my beloved, you are powerful. Because my spirit dwells within you. Stephanie, my daughter, you are valuable to me. And I can prove it. Because I sacrificed my only son for you. So Stephanie, my, my beloved, my daughter, when I see you, I don't see your mistakes. I don't even see your sins. I see the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ, when I look at you. So when you come to me, Stephanie, my beloved daughter, come to me unashamed. Because I consider you blameless. In fact, I call you holy and set apart for great and mighty things. Stephanie, my beloved, my daughter, this is your newborn again identity in my son, Jesus Christ. So my beloved, my adopted, as I renew your mind, Stephanie, according to my truth, not your mama, not your daddy, not your past, not your pain, not your fear, not your trauma, not your doubt, not your insecurities, not your status, not your reputation, not your bank account. When I renew your mind according to my truth, I will grant you the grace to live and to love and to lead righteously. Any questions, my daughter? Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That and is I amazing. Me this, do you know they break down crying? Dr. Coleman. And I, and I said, you know, and I said, and I know, and I, and I don't have to say, I said, I know why you're crying because you want to believe that, but you don't. But that's what we're going to help you with. Because and that, this is what I tell them. If I could get, and I tell my brothers this all the time, if I could get every man in my ministry to believe that, Dr. Coleman, listen to what I'm telling you. God could take me up tonight. Work, my work is done. Because you give me 
That's why we call it our our um our brotherhood is real men 300. The great John Wesley said, give me just 300 men. This man reached millions of people. He says, if you just give me 300 men who love God, hate sin, fear nothing, and claim to know nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, he says, I will set the world on fire. He never found 300, and neither will I. Now, we got hundreds of men in our organization, but I'm talking about 300 men who believe what I just said. If you give me 300 men like that, God can take me because the world is going to change. Yes. If you just get 300 men who believe that together, he was right. You will set the world on fire. I said, God, why would you give me this vision for 300 men? And John Wesley, who started the Methodist movement, couldn't do it. He says, you're going to continue the work that John Wesley started. And you won't finish it either. And I will send another to finish the work. But I want you guys pursuing those 300 that that's number two in the book wow find your identity in Christ. wow gosh i see why that book is not going to be finished now you see why because they, they get stuck why. at each one right wow i'm still stuck on the legacy wow right. i still don't believe this right. uh, uh i can't uh, move right. on. you can't move on to the next one until you accomplish this that's why we call it man accomplished if you get to the end of this and you've accomplished because each one you got to check i accomplished it right. So would you hold a copy of the book up so that the viewers can see it? That's the book. There it is. Accomplished. That is fantastic. And uh, I want to encourage everyone to go out on Amazon and get a copy. Yep. They can or, get a copy. Or they can go on our website, either one on our website in our bookstore, either one. Okay. And uh, give us your website. They can go to realmenconnect.com. Real Men Connect. Think about this. What do real men do? They connect. Realmenconnect.com. We are at the end of our time. I want to thank you for joining me as usual. These, this, this is always fantastic. You give us so much to think about and so much to work on, too, so that we can be all that we were sent here to be and do all the things that we have to do. Because as I said before, we're not on task when we look out there and see what's happening in the world. So we have all of the tasks that we have to do right now. Mm -hmm. I want to thank uh, Rise, who's my sponsor. When you need a supply company to rise to your needs, call Resource Industrial Supply and Equipment. They've been a sponsor for a while now, and I really, really enjoy them. Again, I'm Stephanie Wilson-Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. Thank you, Dr. Joe Martin of Real Men Connect. This has been fantastic. Uh, go to his website, remember? Correct and get a copy of that book. So, with that, as I always say, may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. I want you to be inspired until further notice. I want you to celebrate everything. Do not go gently into that good night, but find a heel worth dying for and take it. Mm. Be the person that you have been waiting for and make today so awesome that yesterday is jealous. And by, <laughs> above all things, I want you to do it your way. Life is too short to drink cheap champagne and make sure that you have a great day. Good night. Hi. This is Stephanie Wilson Coleman, The Empowerment Doctor, and today I want to encourage you to refuse to be distracted from your goals. Today I want you to affirm, I put my attention on my goals. I reject all distractions. My focus is exactly where it belongs. I choose my decisions and actions based on my goals. There are three self-reflecting questions 
I want you to consider. One, what am I committed to achieving? Does my focus support achieving that goal? Two, what are the biggest distractions in my life? What can I do to minimize those distractions? And the third question is, what would happen in the next year if I could avoid 90% of the distractions in my life and work on my goals consistently? Remember, I want you to use these steps and the answers to these questions to determine how you can refuse to be distracted from your goals. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Dream big. Have a great day. To drink cheap champagne So I decided to buy me